birthdays to celebrate this week. I have a card here for Ruth. Praise the Lord. And also, it was Darlene's birthday on New Year's Day. Darlene didn't make her own card, but we're going to sing happy birthday to her because we want it on her too. Amen. Hallelujah. So here we have two wonderful women of God. Amen. I just, I just want to thank all of you for the, first of all, for the Christmas wishes and the blessings that you blessed us with. And, you know, yeah, Friday was my birthday, and it was just such a celebration of God's goodness, his mercy, and his love. And, you know, this is a new year. It's a new beginning. You know, old things are passed away, and all things become new in him, you know. And I'm just excited because I just believe you know, I, the, the coronavirus is still out there, you know, but I walk by faith and not by sight. And that's what I was telling somebody. You know, I'm one of the crazy ones because when I was here and the power of God came down, he spoke to me and he said, do you think I would give you COVID in the middle of my glory and in the middle of my blood because the enemy can't cross the bloodline? And I said, you're exactly right, Lord. I said, your word is truth. It's the absolute truth. And it's the truth I'm going to stand on. And it's the truth I'm going to believe. And yes, my family did get COVID. And Ava called me that day. And right now she's in San Diego with her family. Praise God. That's why they're not here today. But the goodness of God is, I didn't think the first thing about it. She said, I'm really sick. And I tested positive for COVID. And I've got these kids. And you know, my response is, I said, I'll be right over. What can I do for you? You know? So I went right on over there, and I put her to bed, and I did what I could do, you know, for her. And I just want to tell you about the miracle-working power of God, because Maria got it. She got tested positive, both her and Chris both. And you know from the beginning, our miracle girl, Maria. Now, her testimony is strong, and one day she's going to give it. Because the enemy tried to take her voice, too. He tried to rob her of her voice. But today, she has a beautiful voice, and she is anointed. And I'm here to tell you, all of our children are anointed, because they're, they are. And the enemy is trying to rob your seed right now. He's trying to rob the seed. So, I just... I'm here to tell you, you've got to get your kids here in the church. You've got to give them a foundation because the world out there right now, I'm telling you, you know, they are getting bombarded right and left right now. But they have to know what the Word of God says. And it can't be built on Jeremy's faith, Catherine's faith. They've got to have it down in their side, inside of them. They've got to know what the Bible says because mom and dad's not always there. Mom and dad's not always there, and they have to know. So anyway, with Maria, she got it. And at the beginning of last year, you all know that she had to have open-heart surgery again because uh, when she was born, she was born with a missing pulmonary bowel, and she had a hole in the aorta. So she had that. So come the COVID thing, you know, Chris and Ava got sick, and they were in bed. But Maria, you know what? She never missed a beat. She, she had congestion, yes, she had congestion, and she coughed. 
But I'm here to tell you, we serve a miracle-working God. A miracle-working God. You know, you say you don't see miracles. Well, open your eyes. They're all around you. They're around you. If you look, he's working. He's working. And I'm here to encourage you today. You know, we're in a new season and a new time. And I want you all to know that, you know, <laughs> you know, God's still on the throne. He didn't, he didn't say, oh, okay, COVID's here, so I got to go in quarantine. God didn't say that, you know. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He's here every step of the way. And so I didn't have any fear. I, you know, people said, what did you do? I said, I believe Psalms 91. Now, you get that out and you read it. What does it say? It says... <laughs> No plague can come near your dwelling. And the very last verse there, it says, He will satisfy me with long life. So Ruth, me and you are satisfied with long life, honey, and we're going to be healthy. We're going to be healthy. We're going to walk in health because that's what his word says. You know, so I just thank God. You know, like I said, I walked through all that. I, what did I do? I claimed Psalms 91. I anointed myself with oil because the Bible teaches us that. Cover yourself, you know, Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And that's where I'm abiding this year. So, <laughs> you know, I'm just really excited because, you know, the enemy wants us to be discouraged. He wants us to be defeated. He wants us to be alone. He wants us, you know, just separate and I just I want to encourage you all to come to church <laughs> come it's okay you're not going to get COVID here you know if you believe what what God's word says you won't get COVID here so you will not you know so <laughs> I just want to encourage you all today and tell you all I love you I thank you for the cards I thank you for the birthday wishes you all are my family and I know together we can do Great things for God. How many of you got the word with you today? If you don't, raise up your phone or iPad or whatever you got, Morse code. There we go. Now you guys. We're going to... I want to thank the church for being patient with me. In the last month or so, I've been a little uh, under the weather, had a bad cough and everything else. And I know it's not proper to be blowing my nose on camera, but uh, what else am I supposed to do, I guess? So uh, thank you for your patience with me, and uh, we'll try to do better. Today, we're going to go back to simple. Anybody know where the scripture is for simple? First Corinthians. What chapter? Chapter 2 and verse 2. Or verse 1, we can start there. I'm in the King James. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2, 2. Verse 1 says, you can go back. That's good. Thank you. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, but declaring unto you the testimony of God. Everyone in here has a testimony. 
What has the difference been made in our life is that we are believers in Jesus Christ and we have a testimony to give about what he's done for us. Amen. That's the testimony of God. That's what Paul testified to and that's what we need to testify. Not how great we are, but how great God is and what he's done for mankind. The crucifixion was the turning point of history. And there's so much involved there in what happened on that cross. And Paul, as he traveled throughout the different churches that he had founded, found differences in doctrine and everything else. The Corinthian church was at a crossroads where there was a lot of trade. It was a very prosperous city. But where there's prosperity, sometimes there's um, uh, it trumps... Uh, Mankind wants to trump the gospel and figure more on their prosperity than they do on the birth, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul found this in the Corinthian church. There were so many doctrines coming around. And what happened is people were getting saved and joining the church, but they were bringing in other practices that didn't need to be there. And Paul found this in most of the churches that he went to. It doesn't take churches long to get off track if they don't stay on track. So Paul wanted to draw everybody back to this right here. He could have preached and said anything. He could have debated. And if you read the book of Acts, he was a great debater. He could debate all day. He would be in Greece and he would debate with them because he said the Greeks like to talk all the time. They like to. And Paul said, well, let's get back to simple. He said, I don't need to know anything among you except Christ and him crucified. Everybody believe that today? That's what we need. Now, I want you to go to verse 21. Well, let me tell you. I got it written down right here. Okay, I'm going to read this. Uh, Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. This is going to have to be a year of faith because we don't know what's going to be happening this year. We have no idea. We had no idea of this year that we just lived through. Nobody predicted what's been going on. Somehow, thank God, you've survived and I've survived. And it's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us in Calvary that we survive. In him we live and move and have our being. There's a lot contained in that right there. And so Paul says, we are with each other. That's what a church is. Be with each other in weakness. That's what our faith is. Sometimes our faith is tested. The devil's always challenging the faith of the saints. But he said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And that pretty well describes what a lot of people are going through right now. But Paul said, look at this. I determined not to know anything except Christ and him crucified. That's the focal point of history. That's what changed everything. Do you know there was 400 years of darkness between the book of Malachi and the advent of Jesus Christ when he was born? 400 years, God was accused of being silent, but he really wasn't being silent. Listen, Sometimes you got to wait on things. They waited 400 years and 500 years in the case of Isaiah for the promise to be born that unto you a child is born, unto us a son is given. And Isaiah described perfectly what he would do for us. And that's what we believe today. 
Christ and him crucified. We must start there. And what are the dangers of not starting there and finishing there? Well, go to Genesis 1 and verse 27, and I'm going to read you some stuff. You know, Congress is back in session tomorrow. And I usually don't like to get too political, but I got something I need to say today. Okay. Genesis 1, 27. Remember, keep in mind the word simple. Because that's what the gospel is. It's simple. Paul said, if I believe in Christ and him crucified, I've already come a long way. Because that's the only difference between saved and unsaved, is believing in Christ and him crucified. We're not better than anybody else. We just are believers. That's the difference. Christ and him crucified starts there. Well, when mankind starts bringing their doctrine into things, things get confused. And I'm going to show you how they get confused. This is pretty early on in the creation story, chapter 1. And it said, so God created man. He created man in his image. In other words, we are made in the image of God. We are his masterpiece. We are his workmanship. And we are born for his pleasure. So God created man. He created man. And how was woman created? Out of man. And isn't it interesting now that man comes out of woman? That's the way God has set all this up. It's pretty simple, really, if you think about it. So it said God created man in his image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he then. What did he create? He created males and he created females. Uh, Ed, you and Linda, come up here real quick. Come up here, both of you, real quick. Remember simple. Now, I don't mean that for you. Okay, I'm going to read the word to you according to the voice. said, so God created man in his own image. Okay. He took a rib made you, and in God's mighty plan, then you bring life into the world, okay, as he did. So God created a man in his own image, in the image of God, he created male. Is there any doubt he's a male? Everybody see this? And female. And they're married. So I would say they got a head start in keeping God's plan Because he created male and female. Now, I'm sure glad you guys believe that way. Because there's a lot of people that don't. Because they get their eyes off the main point, which is Christ and him crucified. And then you can take that all the way back to Genesis and what started happening in the garden. He created male and female. He is a he. Everybody with me today? <clears throat> and she's a she. Created he, male and female, created he them. He's the creator. 
He made them in his image, and he made him a he. He didn't make a mistake. And he made you a she. And that's the way God intends for it to be. Because if we try to complicate it any more than that, then he becomes, I don't know, and she becomes something different than what God intended for her to be. And ever since the beginning of creation, the enemy has tried to plant seeds of doubt in our mind about who he is, about who he is, about who she is, about who God is, because he went into the garden and and he said, we can't eat off of that tree because we'll become like God. He said, God didn't say that. You know, even today, and I'm going to read you something in a minute that's going to shock you, but this is all pretty simple. He, she, God. Offspring. And what do they reproduce? They don't reproduce a cow. They produce more males and females because that's the way God intended for it to be. Now, I'm not trying to get on anybody's bad side, but we need to keep this thing simple. And when we don't, we get people elected to office that I can't say what my granny used to say. But they're confused. He no longer becomes a he and she's no longer a she. So we don't fulfill the purpose of what God intended for us to be. Thank you, he, and thank you, she. Now, I'm going to read you something. How many of you are sticking with me? That's pretty simple. How many he's we got in here? Some of you don't know. You better be raising your hand. How many she's we got in here? All right. Now, I'm not picking on this, but you need to, re- you need to hear this. Barry, you're going to love this. This is what's happening when Congress gets back in session. I'm going to read this to you. The House of Representatives is poised to rewrite its rules, swapping out male and female references like he and she. Think about that. For a more gender-neutral term. This is your House of Representatives, my House of Representatives. How do we get here? The will of God is done on earth through good Christian families, male and females, and, and kids that believe in God and are raised up the right way. But it says swapping out male and female references like he and she for gender neutral terms. In a diversity inclusion push by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Whoa, yes. Why it matters. The proposal comes as transgender and non-binary candidates are being elected around the country. The first mistake is electing them. And then the bigger mistake is trying to substantiate why you elected them. They're already defeated. The Congress is defeated if that's what they believe. And these are the people that are running our country. They've got their eyes off of the things of God. And because they don't have a reference point, which is the cross of Calvary and Him crucified, then they make up anything that they want. It's bad enough that people that get elected like this, but it's, it, there's an agenda behind that, and it's demonic, and it's, it's satanic. 
because it wants to call into question the identity of God. If God doesn't have an identity, then you don't have an identity because everything's based on He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's our Savior. He's the one that bled on Calvary. He's the one that forgave our sins when nobody else could do that. He is a He. Think about this for a minute. I'm going to read on. You're going to love some more of this. So we would no longer discriminate. We're adjusting our policies of language to reflect society's changing views on sexuality and gender identification. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, I did wrong. There we go. Okay. That's drawing the most early attention. He or she, now in Congress, you're not allowed to say Bill Brashears, he from Eastgate, you've got to say he or she would become member. Member. Delicate or resident commissioner. And father and mother, look at this, father and mother would become parent. Let me read on. I'm trying to. And brother and sister is no longer brother and sister. They're called siblings. So in Congress, what's happening is there's a, a, a confusion of identity. And a minority, again, is ruling the majority. And I'm going to tell you, there's judgment coming to our nation if we keep on electing leaders this way. This is satanic. And I know I'm making some people mad today. But something has to be said. Jeremy's a he, Catherine's a she. I'm a father and she's a mother. You ain't siblings. That's my grandchild back there and my sister, my uh, daughter-in-law. You can't confuse that. I mean, nature itself, which we're going to get into in a minute, explains that to us. This is not that complicated. And not that we're involved in it, but here's what happens when we lose our identity. I gotta, I gotta stay on track here. Go to Romans chapter one. Okay. I'm finding it here. Now keep this all in simple. Have you ever noticed how families get complicated when uh, satanic, satanically motivated things come into a family? It upsets the whole thing. It'll kill families. It'll break down families. 
Thank God today that you have kids that are in church and you've passed it on to them because the enemy is looking for anything he can use to disrupt godly seed. And here's what God does. Here's what's happening in our country and here's what's happening in the world. In verse 20, chapter 1, verse 20. What are we talking about here? Look at this. The invisible things, you know what invisible things cause? Faith. If you can't see something, you've got to have faith in it. I don't understand the salvation plan except what I get out of the scripture. I don't understand all of the things contained in the atonement or healing or anything else like that. But So what does that cause me to do? It causes me to exercise my faith and prove that I believe, for faith is the substance that's treating things that aren't as though they are, treating things that you can't see as though they are. The whole basis for you being here today is your faith in Jesus Christ and he purchased your salvation on the cross of Calvary and he made you a he or a she and there's no confusion about that. Here's what happens. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Simple, right? A star is a star. The sky is the sky. Blue is blue. Anybody have anybody, don't raise your hand on this, in your family that's always trying to confuse things? You just know they're the kind that you hesitate about inviting anywhere or anything. Because they just confuse everybody. And they make things that are simple, complicated, somebody's crazy uncle. You always used to call him your crazy uncle that would they would do that. But here's what happened. The things of God are clearly seen. But, you know, when did perversion of the things of God first take place? Well, the enemy entered in and caused a question, an identity question. See, he's, he is jealous of our Savior's identity. The cross is his identity. The cross is your identity. The cross is my identity. That's who we are. That's what we hang everything on. That's why there's nails in the cross, because we hang everything we believe on God's identity. He is who he is, and he'll do what he says he will do. And it's been evident since the creation of the world. You know what God intended? Adam and Eve were in the garden, he and she And he used to come down and walk with them in the cool of the evening. There was a purpose in all that. God didn't goof up on creation. And when we try to confuse God's identity, then everything loses its starting point. Because in the beginning, what? Come on, help me. What did he do? He created them male and female created he them. Okay, let's go on. It's clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, nature understands the nature of God better than we do sometimes. A squirrel's a squirrel. You won't won't see him trying to be something different. 
They're not good house pets. I, I remember back when Matt and Vanessa first got married, she's really into animals, and they had a couple dogs and things, and, and one day she'd come home, and I guess somebody <coughs> had had a squirrel or something at school, and she wanted to get a pet squirrel. And so it had to be explained to her <coughs> that that's not going to work. Pet squirrels don't work. They weren't made to be running around your house. I remember back in my dark days, we used to, some of you remember dark days like this, we would go to somebody's house and he would have a pet rat. And you would spend all evening just looking out for that rat. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? But he would always sneak up on you after a couple hours. Rats aren't meant to be pets. See, God makes everything after its own kind. I must get moving. Even his eternal power in Godhead so that they are without excuse. When we lose what God created us for, we have no excuses. Keep going, if you would. Thank you. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Here's where we start going off track. That's why praise and worship are so important. We know God, so we shouldn't have a problem worshiping Him and praising Him because He has done great things for us. And if we look at other places, you know, we were created to praise Him. That's built into us. God, in Ecclesiastes, it said God has planted eternity in the hearts of men and women. You have eternity planted in you. And it started the day that you got saved. We are eternal beings and we're... One choice, heaven or hell. There's two choices, actually. And God did not intend for you to be confused about who he is. You say, well, God's all love and this and that. Listen, God is a God of judgment and love. He laid out a path and he laid out a way to do things. This used to be a basketball court when they had a school in here. If you step out of bounds, you're out of bounds. You can't debate it. That's what the line is for. And God has drawn lines according to his word about how man and woman should conduct themselves. Because here's what's happening when they, it says, because when they knew God. How did they know God? Because it's evident he's here every morning, every night. The stars cry out. Creation cries out. When they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God. So what happens when we don't glorify him as God? Neither were they thankful. If you got dropped in from another planet this afternoon, you would think we were the most unthankful people in this country that ever lived. We only become unthankful when we forget where our blessing comes from. I got nothing against God but to thank him. I thank him for making me. I thank him that he made you. And I thank him that if he made you, which he did, he gave you a purpose in your life. We're not put here just to idly roam around and make up our own doctrines and complicate things that God kept very simple. Well, let's go on. But they came foolish in their imaginations. 
where there's no threat of judgment, your imagination will just run wild. Do I need to say that again? If we take judgment out of the equation and what God said, that's what happened in the garden. That's what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. God was taken out of the equation, and so man becomes vain in their imagination. Well, what's vanity? That's wasted on ourself. Vanity, vanity, vanity. All is vanity. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. And, they bec- and their foolish heart becomes darkened. Well, I just read to you what Congress is doing. Let me read some more. You guys loving this? No? Uh. So you mothers have become parents. And the resident commissioner, Jeremy, the resident commissioner. I I just don't even want to. What else? Go to the next verse. So their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became what? They became fools. You know, in the New Testament, if Jesus said, if you are mad at somebody and call them a fool, you're in danger of the judgment. This is a name that people are putting on themselves. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. This is God saying this. Not me. It's God saying the wisdom of this world doesn't count for anything because he says later on in Corinthians, I don't have time to go there today, that he uses the simple things to confound the wise. And it's so simple that Christ died for their sins. It's so simple the way he's laid out a path for me to have eternal life in his presence. It's simple. And he says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. I don't know about you, but it's kind of discouraging to when you got a possibility of a governing body in our country changing terms for what people are. They have no authority to do that. Think about it. It's an identity crisis all over again. And so I looked up binary. Bi means two. That's what binary means, two. And where does that go back? Well, you can trace that all the way back to the garden where it says, created he male and female. Now, God's not confused He's never confused, but binary means it takes two, or that's the basis of creation is binary. Two people the way God intended it. But now in Congress, they're thinking about making a these exceptions that I've told you about for the non-binaries. So binary means it takes two, but if you're a non-binary, that means that you don't believe any of that stuff. You, I guess you're able to reproduce on your own because you're non-binary. In other words, it don't take two, it takes one. I'll tell you, if civilization would just wise up a little bit, this happened in Sodom. You can have all males running everything, but without a female around, they're not going to last very long. And until God changes the rules and says that two men can reproduce, there's a big problem here. 
So you say, why are you ranting about this? Is because this is what's going on, and judgment is at the door. I'm telling you, judgment is at the door, and we need to be aware of that. Not because we're better than anybody else, but this is what God's Word says. It's the foundation for everything. They became fools. Go on, if you would. If I'm rambling, that's, that's all right. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God. In other words, incorruptible means he's without sin. He can't be changed. Doctrines don't corrupt him. How many times have you seen different doctrines come through our countries and things like that? I mean, when we grew up in the 50s, there was a whole different way of life. And it hasn't taken that long to get where we've got. And you say, well, I guess we're, our generation's responsible for that. No, it's not. This happened all the way back in the book of Genesis. Identity, identity, identity. And so they, they changed the glory in heaven. He is surrounded by glory. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. He's surrounded by glory. He is glory. They changed what he intended, his glory, incorruptible God, into an image made like the corruptible man. See, we can be corrupted. There's only one that can't be corrupted, and that's him. We can't be corrupted after what? After this corruption puts on incorruption. When does that take place? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What's going to happen? We're going to be changed. We're going to put on the glory of God in its fullness. That's what we hold out for is to experience the glory of God in its fullness. And how do we do that? By tapping into the things of God. He's incorruptible. Every doctrine that comes through a country, it just repeats itself. Look at history. Look at the great the Greco-Roman empires. A lot of our construction to this day is Greco, which is Greek. You know what happened to Greek society? How many, uh, uh, what do you call them guys, the philosophers and things? Yeah. We still read their works today, Aristotle and Plato and all these other guys that I can't say their name. They had such an, imp uh, an imprint on society that we quote them today. But they had a problem. Their problem is they didn't acknowledge God for who he was. So their, their construction habits and, and, and dictionaries and things might still be with us today, but they lost track of who God was a whole long time ago. So God turned them over, and what did, they, what did the Roman Empire do? The same thing. They worshipped other gods. They were confused about who was God. They say in India there's over a million gods. That ought to wear you out. Who do I appease today? I'm getting up tomorrow morning. It's Monday. Oh, my gosh. If there's a million, I got to get started early. Because eternity's planted in the hearts of man, we've turned the goodness of God into what can we do to appease God, to make him happy. You know what we can do to please God? Believe in whom was sent and believe in the cross of Calvary. That's how you appease God. He doesn't ask you to make burn offerings or look what happens here. And they turn the incorruptible image of God into corruptible, into birds. If a bird could speak, 
he would tell you that he's not God. That just shows you how silly all this is. How simple, how complicated we made it. And four-footed beasts. And what else? And creepy things. One measure about whether we're doing right or wrong, if it feels creepy, don't do it. Think about that for a minute. When I was a kid growing up in school, they say, that kid gives me the creeps. That's just something about it. Anybody know somebody gives you the creeps? Don't raise your hand. Jules, you know somebody gives you the creeps? What you want to do, you just want to get away from it, don't you? Go on to the next verse. I'm trying to get done here. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And I'm not going to go any farther there, but then it talks about men with men and women with women perverting what God intended. This is Romans. This is 2,000 years old. It's the same tricks. We haven't wised up. You know why we haven't wised up? Because these are ancient spirits that need to be defeated. We were singing about that power. We need to get our eyes off the power of who falls on the floor and get our eyes on the power to stand up for the things of God. That's where we need power at. Now, I love the Holy Ghost, and I'll be the first one in the pool. But we don't need to misuse our power. It's a power that they just don't understand until they have a heart change. And that heart change is to push them to the cross of Calvary. And it says they, they change the natural use. I hope nobody's getting offended today, but you have a natural use. That's what God says. That shouldn't offend you. What should offend you is that people that don't have a natural use for who God made them to be. Not that we hate them, but this sin, this sin creeps into governments, and that's why you don't hear the Greeks much anymore, and you sure don't hear the Romans. Because God will not share his glory with anyone. So the things we're fighting are prayer things. They're praise things. They're not what man can do. I wasn't happy about the last election either, but it should just show you what's going on around us. The Word of God in the 50s, whether you were Catholic, Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, it meant something. I mean, it meant something. Everybody had a family Bible. I got tickled one of our elected officials. You know how they all pull out the Bible once they get elected. They had a family Bible that was over 100 years old, and they were looking for it. They couldn't find it. Well, that's just tell you right then that they didn't use it. So this is what we have to expect out of people. Excuse me. I must get done. So next, what's the solution? Romans chapter 8 and verse 3. I hope I haven't complicated things by trying to be simple. Well, go to verse 1. You can't read verse 3 without verse 1. I'm sorry. 
Now, I don't want anybody to feel any condemnation. If you feel conviction, that's one thing. So completely different. Condemnation is the work of the enemy. Conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit. Conviction doesn't bring death. It brings change. Condemnation will bring death. Condemnation, you know, have you noticed how it's getting increasingly harder for Christians to speak their peace? And the world says, don't condemn me. Nobody's being condemned. We condemn ourselves by what we believe. Pretty simple, right? Believer, non-believer. Do you have to do everything my way? No. Do it God's way. I think over the years there's been too many preachers and priests and different clerical people that have been idolized and people ran their whole lives and what they believed through those people and they never recognized God for who he was too. But here's where we are. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. What is the defining point of history? Cross. How do you become in Christ Jesus? The cross. The cross. Look what else it says. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. We're so worried about offending flesh that we would rather offend God first. I forgot it. No. We're so worried about offending flesh when we should be more worried about offending. Jesus said one day when he was preaching, he said, does this offend you? I thank God that the cross was an offense to me and I got saved by it. Think about it. If you don't accept the cross, you're not saved. And if you don't accept the cross, then you develop your own doctrines. Or as Mike says, you make God into somebody that you want him to be instead of who he says he is. And if you make God into somebody that you want him to be, this big, inclusive, happy, smiling Jesus with a chalice here and a, and a thing here, you're missing the whole point. That's not the point of the gospel. Jesus came. God gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but by through him, man and woman, he and she might be saved. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. If we don't accept Jesus, then the law of sin and death applies to us again. We put ourselves back underneath the law. People say all the time, don't, don't judge me. Don't, you're not the, we put ourselves underneath the law because where sin abounds, then bad things are going to happen. But God said the law of the Spirit is of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law. If I try my best to follow him or keep my eyes on him, I get a greater freedom from the law. Sin brings a greater responsibility. The law is there to show us when we're wrong. Jesus came to show us how we're made right, and that's by trusting him. It's accounted unto us as righteousness, just as it was Abraham. Next verse. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak, 
through the flesh. How many of you have a weak flesh? We all know about that. God sending his son. Calvary. The cross. That was his sole purpose. God sending his son in the likeness of sin. What's this likeness stuff? Created he male and female. Created he them. God sent his son. It's just like the man and woman, Ed and Linda. It's, it's the same thing. God had a certain way of doing things. Crea- uh, creation was done a specific way. God said, God said, God said, God said, God said. Say it with me. God said, God said. He said, let there be light. And guess what happened? There was light. And if you apply that to the cross of Calvary, those that don't believe in the cross or believe in the re- listen, you got to believe in the resurrection too. He's not on the cross. He's risen from the dead. He was taken down. He was nailed to a cross for our sins. But when he rose again, sin could not touch him. Sin could not defeat him. He's the author of, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? It has no victory over Jesus. God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. That's what makes him a savior. He didn't come as there's uh, Clark knows about that teaching called kenosis or whatever, which means that God put aside his godliness and became 100% man. No, he didn't. He was 100% man and 100% God. He's the only one that can do that. That's what makes him a savior. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Paul said, I don't want to know anything but Christ and him. All this other stuff, all this other stuff is important at, at a time and a season, but we can't obsess about it. we got to keep on acknowledging who he is. You know, the key to our faith today is making him Lord. What we believe over this next year is how much Lord he's going to be and how much he ain't. Because the enemy's always trying us, isn't he? And he condemned sin in the flesh. Well, I think I preached about everything I can. Jeremiah chapter 10, real quick. Everybody out there still okay? Anybody upset? Shouldn't be. I haven't said anything that the word didn't back up. And I'm not mad at anybody. Whenever you preach hard, people think you're mad. You know, another thing that Calvary tells me, not how good I am, how good he is. That's what Calvary should tell you. You know how I know that? Because when we sin, we go back underneath the law. Unnatural sin puts you under an unnatural judgment because God set a way of things of doing things. So we choose to be under the law or not under the law by our response to what he's done for us. Jeremiah 
chapter 10. And we'll close with this. This is the New American Standard. I don't know if you got that, but you can just put it. Verse 14. I'll read it out of the New American Standard. This is, this is the ongoing problem of mankind accepting who God is. It says, every man is brutish. And his knowledge. In the New American Standard, it says every man is stupid. Now, a lot of people don't like that, but he says our knowledge makes us devoid of knowledge. Every man is devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols. Now, think about that statement for a minute. He created them male and female. They have a purpose. We have a purpose. A goldsmith was not a goldsmith back in those days to dishonor God. He was a goldsmith to take care of the, the things that God made. In other words, he fulfilled his purpose. And when we misuse that knowledge, when we act stupidly, it says every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols. This is what's happening around us in the country and things. We're put to shame by our own idols. Is anybody still out there? For his molten images are deceitful. Any, anybody in here a jeweler? Anybody know how to make rings or put diamonds in things? That's a real art, isn't it? I've never understood how they can get a big rock and turn it into something beautiful. That's what a goldsmith and, and a man that works with steel is for, is to form something that honors God, not to make idols that he can worship because he doesn't want to accept who God is. So, and he says, for his molten images are deceitful and there's no breath in them. Next verse, please. They are worthless, a work of mockery. I thank you that you guys are patriotic in this church. Right. I thank you for that. Yeah. I'm glad that we're patriotic and we love our country. Yeah. I'm glad because all the works of men that they try to figure out who God is, what he does, it's a mockery in the nostrils of God because he made it so simple. For all of us. You know how much easier it is to believe than not believe? Think about it. That's where faith comes in. He says, all their work is mockery. All their work is mockery as long as they turn their back on the things of God. It's mockery. It's a mockery of God's system and God's way of doing things. And it's bound to fail. Rebels bring rebellion. That's all they're capable of. If you find a church started out of rebellion, it'll end in rebellion. That's the way God works. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. Well, I'm praying for our country. I'm praying for me. I'm praying for you guys because there's a time of punishment that's going to be coming because of the things that we've done. Not, well, we, everybody. Because we've made a mockery of the things of God. Not you guys, but the world laughs. God said he sits in heaven and laughs at them. 
I guarantee you he's got a bigger smile than they got. In the time of their punishment, all those things that are man-made will perish. So back to square one. Paul went through all this stuff, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Titus, Jude, the book of Revelation. He went through all those things to show us how simple it can be. Jesus Christ is Lord. If you don't know him today, you need to build a personal relationship with him. It's built not on me, not on this church. It's built on the word of God. This was around at the beginning. In the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning. And it'll be there at the end. And if you believe that today, I want you to stand to your feet right now, everyone in here. Now, you all heard exactly what was said today. You heard exactly what was preached. So if you hear anything else, just say, that was not what he said. That's not the truth. If we back it up with the Word of God, then it becomes the truth. Even in our failings, it becomes the truth. This Word is bigger than my failings. Dan said once that God didn't disqualify him from the ministry because he messes up and I believe that God does not qualify that's why you got to get back to the cross and him crucified we can try to explain our failings but in the presence of almighty God there's no excuses but what he says is get back to basics Christ and him crucified and that's what's going to sustain us through the next year everybody in here a Christian today anybody having a faith problem right now Raise your hand. We'll pray for you right where you are. This was meant to be encouraging today, and don't take it as discouraging. This will sustain you. Our faith is going to be tried this year. You're going to hear rumors of wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes in diverse places. We can't travel. It's hard to travel anywhere. Mike and Debbie can't get back. This is going on. England's closed down. They're not accepting any people on airplanes from the U.K. unless they can prove that they've had this and they've had that. Judgment is at the door. So what's more important than travel? What we believe. Because there's going to be a travel lifting. Any travel ban that has been put on mankind, when that trumpet sounds... I said, when that trumpet sounds and Jesus appears in the clouds, all the travel bands are going to be lifted. And you won't need no stamps. And you won't need to be interviewed because you took care of that down here where it should have been taken care of. There won't be no going to the gates and conversing with St. Peter whether you're allowed to get in or not. Peter had to get in the same way that you got to get in. And that's through the cross of Calvary.